0: Good morning, church. Give me a second to transition down here without falling down the stairs. Ideally perfect. Oh, man, it's good to see all the faces. Man, we've got a lot of folks in here today. What a blessing it is to me. For those of you following at home, I try to bring it up every now and again if you're enjoying the remote stream. Uh, My daughter Emma is up in the booth and runs everything related to audio video the entire time. One person. And she's not available for anybody else. So, uh, if you like that, come here, and she can help you if you'd like to use that. But not anybody else, because we need her badly. Um, we, we're very thankful for everybody that serves. You see a lot of us up on stage, and Emma's kind of a, a quiet hero up there. There's a handful of computers, and she's rolling back and forth and starting and stopping and stuff. So, very thankful for her and uh, and what she does to make all this possible for everybody else that's hanging out. Um. If you're, if you're just joining us for the first time today, we are making our way through uh, Romans, um, and we're doing it kind of a chunk of Scripture at a time. Uh, it's been really fun to see how, uh, little by little, uh, the dots are being connected. We're seeing uh, Romans building into 1 and 2 and 3, and last week, uh, Mike talked about uh, we're loving who? Our enemies, ugh. Tricky business, right? We all know we're probably supposed to do it. Easier said than done. Today's a little bit of a downshift. Um, He's going to be talking about loving our friends. And that should be pretty easy, but uh, as we go through this, I'm hoping we'll all get uh, through God's Word a little bit more uh, clear picture (laughs) of the difficulties therein and the kind of things that can tear uh, an otherwise solid group of believers apart. So if you've got your Bibles you want to follow along, great. If not, the translation we use is ESV. It'll be up on the screen or on your screen at home. And uh, feel free to read with So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thankful for these words. Um, We're not necessarily dealing with the the Jews versus the Gentiles in today's world, Lord, but a lot of times we, we like to argue about things that probably ought not be argued about. And when we do that, we lose sight of what it is we are here to do to reach the world for your name, for your glory, Lord. I pray as we open this word today and we study this together, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will take these words and still them into our hearts, stitch them into our hearts, remind us of them periodically as we interact with one another inside this body of Christ, other bodies of Christ in this city and state and nation and uh, world. Uh, but just And then also, of, of course, as we interact with people outside. Uh, nobody wants to come to a church that seems to fight more than the world outside does, Lord. Help us to be mindful of that. Help us to care for one another and to bear each other's burdens and weaknesses, if we see them as such, with, with charity and with grace. Thank you for this time of study together, Lord. It's in your Son's and I pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we're to love our enemies. Got it. We covered that last week. Everybody nods their head. Absolutely. It's plenty hard, and Paul covered that. That's one, if you talked about it in today's world, it's going to resonate all day. Hey, you got an enemy? Love him. Uh, I really hate him. I know. Work on that. Now we have a different task. It seems easy to love our family, uh, but history shows that it's harder than one thinks. I'm not going to take a survey, but if anybody here has had friends or family that you've fought with, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you go, if it it weren't for us being related, I'd have nothing to do with you, right? We got kind of a, a raised hand amen over there. We've all been there. People will drive us nuts. And it's not just the people we disagree with. Sometimes it's the people we love dearly. And now Paul's going to talk about that. He is going to address some of this and how we, as believers, ought to approach this. Now, the one who is weak in faith, we see this a lot in here, and ouch, right? I think you would rather be the other one. Most people aren't like, oh, yes, I want to be the weak one here. Paul's point is there will be growth. We need to understand this, and there's going to be weakness. People that just accepted Jesus, that Christ just got a hold of them, the Holy Spirit's changing them. Uh, We've all been there, right? Uh, There was a point when when things changed for you, and then you start seeking, and you start having questions, and you need them answered. There's a weakness there. There's a vulnerability there. There's a lot of misunderstandings and things you think you know that you don't quite know, and the Bible doesn't necessarily teach that, but I don't get that yet. I haven't gotten there. That's near the end of the book. I'm still at the beginning pages. Well, Paul's saying that's not bad. Being new to the faith is not bad, and it shouldn't be pitied. Right. It's not just, oh, whoa, this this is working together. This is an opportunity. Let's grow together. The things you think are important, all right, I don't necessarily agree with them, but the fundamentals are here. Let's study this together and let's let the Holy Spirit convict us as we go. The last bullet here is it's not unbelief. I want to make this very clear. When we talk about the world outside the walls, they don't know who Jesus is. Folks that don't have any idea what it's like to have Jesus as Lord of their life, we're not, that's not who Paul is addressing here. These are people that have fundamental tenets of the faith incorrect. They need to be told the truth. But once they accept the truth, to immediately chastise them for all the lack of, of knowledge of all the depths of wonder of God's grace and mercy is foolishness, and we shouldn't do that. We need them to believe, but then we want them to continue to grow and disciple each other in faith together. What he's talking about are things that are not worth fighting about. Unbeliefs worth debating in the church. Someone says, you know, I don't even think we need to believe in Jesus to be a member here. We should probably have a talk about that. But if it's the color of the carpet or which way the fans spin and we're going to divide the church over that, that's what Paul's talking about. There are two sides to these disagreements. Those that eat... Now he's talking about meat at the time for the, the little bit of a history lesson, right? There were meat that was sacrificed to, to idols and things like this. And what do we do with that? They would throw it away. Safety first. That was sacrificed to idols. inherently tainted. Paul's saying, we know better. Christ fulfilled all the law. We're not beholden to that stuff anymore. But I understand if you're not there yet that you probably aren't going to eat meat. There's a lot of infighting. That guy's eating the meat that was sacrificed to idols. I don't even know if he's a believer. Well, I believe that everything's clean. And I don't even know if you understand what your faith means. And now you got people fighting over meat. Paul's saying, no, if you eat it, don't despise those that abstain. And if you abstain, don't judge those that eat. These are doctrines of men which only divide. If you paid attention to the lyrics earlier, this is exactly what they're singing about. Every time mankind makes a doctrine or we make a rule, inevitably it's to put a line between somebody. You cannot steal a car. Now we put a line between those that steal cars and those that don't. That's the line that most of us are probably okay with. But these lines are a little bit more arbitrary and are causing fighting in a group of believers. And now we see Paul taking this to the next level. If you're making choices, be convicted by God. Now, Paul's speaking, I think, with a lot of charity here. He's, he, he uses the term weak and strong because he sits in a position in his faith where I, he's convicted. This is, it's weakness that you think it makes the meat taint you. But that's not a bad thing. We just we live with that. But you need to be very kind to those that aren't where you are. If you explain something to somebody, and this is something we've mentioned a lot going through Rome, not because Mike and I are very learned, but we have done some study leading up to this. To be able to, to teach this adequately requires some degree of understanding and enlightenment by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, not our own knowledge, belief. It's not that. But when we mentioned some of this stuff, and I'm sitting on the other end of this, and I hear somebody say it to me, I'm like, ah, that is not clicking. I do not get that. No problem. What Paul's saying is, fine, that's okay. It's going to take a minute. And the things in your life that maybe seem in conflict with that, they're not really huge salvation, justification issues. Those need to, we need to take the time to get through that as the Holy Spirit moves. Now, this is a kind of a big deviation in our world, a huge deviation in Jewish culture. In Jewish culture, they had legions of law. I mean, gobs of it that told you exactly what to do. There was no question about, can we eat this meat or not? Well, let's go consult the law. Uh, No, you may not. Unequivocally, well, I think the meat is clean. I'm very, no, it's not clean. You're breaking the law. There's going to be problems. Now we see a difference here. If you observe a Sabbath, do it for God. Be convicted of that observance. Don't just do it to, to do it. If you eat everything, do so for God. Understand why you're able to eat everything, the freedom that came from Christ's Fulfillment of the law. Know that. Don't just say, "Fine, I don't have to be beholden to these silly rules. I can do what I want. No, that's not the reason we're doing this. If you abstain, do so for God. And what you see here is Paul calling us into this awesome feedback loop of our study. Whenever I think I know, I can go back and read the word and either confirm it, deepen that, the, 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 the conviction is deepened, or maybe it's overturned. Gosh, I thought that was a sin, but I'm starting to think maybe that's not a sin. Maybe I thought that that was a sin because I know what that does for me. But maybe that's not always going to be a sin for somebody else. In the Jewish culture, this is humongous. In our culture today, we've actually, outside the church especially, swung the pendulum the other way, which is now there is no sin, right? A lot of people just say, well, if you believe it, if that's what you think, you know, if that's your truth, then that's the truth. That's not what Paul's saying here. This isn't go out and make up truth, but there are things that are not critical. There are are things that are not important or central to what we believe that need to be left where they are and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does, and that is sanctify, change people over and over and over. Yesterday, I was okay doing that. Today, I'm struggling with this. I think the Word's telling me to do this differently. Tomorrow, I'm going to be changed. If somebody says, hey, why'd you stop drinking? Why'd you stop smoking? Why'd you stop cussing? Why do you stop speeding? Why do you you not yell at your family anymore? You used to be so terse with them. You're not doing that anymore. And you could say, well, I've been convicted of this. There's a change coming. I don't think that was the right way to do it. Or you're telling me I shouldn't do it? Well, I mean, I'll tell you why I don't do it. But, you know, if you're a little more stern with your kids than me, I don't know if that's something we need to be divided on. Now, abuse is one thing, but there's a lot of these things that churches love to say, oh, no. I see a picture of a beer on your Facebook page. I'm out of here. This is a real-life example that happened. A joke was posted and somebody left, they were so offended by it. They didn't have a conversation about it or anything. There should have been some charity there, at least a conversation. One conviction here, another conviction there. <sighs> nope, never the twain shall meet fairly well. That's a sad state of affairs, church. We need to be better than that as a body. We need to be better at that. Christ was way better at that than we are. But we can work towards that with charity. If you decide to hold something that's not central to the faith as a conviction, good for you. Do it for God. And if you can't do it for God, then maybe you shouldn't hold it to such a strong conviction. You're going to live? We're going to live for God. Amen? Amen. If we're going to die, we're going to die for God. Christ already did both of these, by the way, and has paved everything we need. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. Only God will judge us. Anybody ever seen this? as all a tattoo. It's only God will judge me. Kind of put it in here as a joke. But, but seriously, why are we so judgy? I want to be clear here. This this is not sin issues. So judgment of believers who are in sin is commanded. And the the judgment here is really just declaration. Sin is sin. If we are in here and we are a family and I care for you and you are committing sin, if we are in here and you care for me and I am committing sin, and you can look at the word and say, hey, this guy is cheating on his wife. That is adultery and a sin. You bring it to me. You are in sin, brother. You've got to fix this. You've got to confess this to your wife. You've got to shore the circle up. You've got to get this sorted out. This cannot stand. You can't just have this in your life. That's a problem. Maybe I say, what? But you know, Solomon had all these concubines. Say, I know, but let's look at the new covenant. Things changed. Marriage is a different thing now. It's supposed to represent the relationship. Oh my gosh, you're right. I thought it was just yeah, I could I could have all the wives that I wanted, but no, I'm you're right. I, I'm gonna fix this. Amen. Restored. I'm going to have a pork chop. Oh, no, you're not. We're going to the carpet over that because the pigs are unholy. You know, That's not worth it. That's not a sin issue. Sin is sin. We need to talk about sin. But these issues, what Paul's talking about here, aren't sin. These are not sin. They're only difference. Now, for those that don't get it, if you're, if you're struggling with this, myself included, there are things we might think are sin because we were taught they were sin. Drinking is the 500-pound gorilla in the room. Drinking, and some people will tell you, I mean, they'll stand here just straight face and say, drinking is a sin. Despite the, Paul, the fact that Paul mentions drinking wine as a personal conviction, in this passage we just read, they'll still say, uh, not nah, nah, no. All drinking does is destroy lives. It is bad, period. If that's your conviction, then you ought not drink. If you've seen your family ripped apart by alcohol and you've decided you're never going to touch a drop of it, good for you. Do it for the glory of God, not for the glory of you or the glory of your family or the glory of your loved ones. It's for the glory of God great. But if you come across a brother or a sister in the faith that holds something different and they have, a, they have a beer every now and again or a cocktail or something and you want to be excommunicated from them, this is a problem. That's exactly what Paul's calling out here. Exactly what Paul's calling out. You might think it's sin, but upon closer investigation, studying in the body, we should come to the conclusion that now that really isn't sin. This is something that doesn't have to divide us. All right, I'll just do my thing and they'll do theirs. <laughs> Frankly, this is what my heart desires. I'm a, I'm a, I personally am a big fan of this approach. You disagree with me? All right, Bill. There's that side and I'll go over here. and We'll just be separate. But God commands us to unify here. What we see Paul talking about is working together, not working separately. Now, there's a time for separation, don't get me wrong. Um, if, you've been, if, you, if you know the story of Paul, and I actually do a little bit of research on this because Paul has a, an interesting tale, with, to sum it up real quick, with Barnabas. And uh, John Mark's with them, and uh, they all go together, and then John Mark kind of bails for a bit, and then they come back like, "Hey, we're going out again. And, and Paul says, I'm not going with John Mark, he bailed on us. Barnabas's like, no, I, you know, he had some stuff, but it's better now. And Paul said, no, I'm not doing it. I need somebody that's reliable and it ain't him. And so Barnabas says, well, I'm taking John Mark. And Paul says, fine, now I'm taking Silas. And thus Paul and Silas. Amazing, you know, biblical heroes in some regards or whatever, right? Great story that came from that. But I wonder, that, that at least based on my little research, is about seven years before this letter was written. <laughs> and I wonder how much of that moment's rattling around in Paul's head. Did I? Was that a good decision that I made? Did I judge John Mark too harshly for something that maybe wasn't even a sin issue? Maybe I didn't understand? Of course, God took it and did what God does with it, which is what God always does. But I wonder if some of these things are written like, yeah, if I could go back, I'm preaching to myself a little bit here. Maybe I could have been more charitable to John Mark. Who knows? Don't think for a minute that I hold Paul in the same esteem as Jesus Christ. Paul sinned. He sinned quite a bit. And he could have sinned during his ministry, right? But what we see here is we see tales of what Paul has endured, and we learn from that. We see what Paul's teaching here, and maybe it seems a little bit in conflict. Well, Holy Spirit, come. Anoint our understanding of this and make it clear for us. There will be times where we separate because we have different directives, but we should be on the same page with regards to loving one another in faith. We shouldn't hold somebody far away from us or outside of our our circle of grace and charity because they hold something not central to the faith different than us. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking him up. Now, we see this quote here in 1415 turning a page a little bit. Wait a minute. If I just want to be separate, I can go over here and do what I want. Paul's saying, yeah, but if you're doing what you want, even though you're separate, they still know, they're still seeing you do that, and it's grieving them. Now, this word is not they're angered by it or irrationally upset with you. They're grieved. They hold a conviction so deep about this issue that when they see you doing it, it, it hurts them. Uh, this is one of the commands, the word here that's used is the same word when we talk about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's something you don't want to grieve anybody. And that's what Paul's talking about. You shouldn't seek. If you know this really hurts them, it makes them sad for you. It makes them question what they hold. Is this even real? What's going on here? How can he do that? How can she do that? How can they not do that? I'm troubled by this. And you just keep doing it like I'll just break through by hammering it home. I'm just going to sit here and drink and drink and drink until he sees that it's not a sin. You're grieving them. Paul's saying, you're not walking in love. You're walking in spite. You're walking in vindictiveness. You're trying to be correct rather than loving. I don't know if anybody watches The Office, but this scene popped into my head. I don't know if this seems familiar. One of the the characters, uh, has uh, her mom starts dating her boss. And it culminates, she says, stop dating my mother. And he, being insolent, says, you know what? I'm going to start dating her even harder. Right? This is what we do a lot. You shouldn't do that. Oh, Yeah. Well, then I'm doubling down. Music's too soft. I'll turn it up. You're driving too slow. You're driving too fast. Oh, yep. You're driving too slow. Well, I'll go 10 miles an hour, right? If you want to see me drive slow, get right on my bumper. Because I'll go right down the speed limit, maybe two below, for safety. And you go, oh, what are they doing up there? What's he doing? I'm like, well, I'm in no hurry now. Normally, I would never drive this speed. But if you want to go this fast, then guess what? I'm going to go slower, even harder. This is something without all of us, including me. We want to be right. I'm going to show the world a thing or two. I'm going to teach this guy how to drive by driving poorly. Like only an idiot would do this, but I do it. Paul's talking to idiots that do this. He's talking to us. And here's what he's saying. This all seems so... The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If one serves Christ as Lord and they're acceptable to God, they're approved by men. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be fighting over all this nonsense. We're not supposed to be trying to punitively show everybody that what we think is important is what's important. It starts to tarnish our witness. We start to be, we start to not be. We're not living righteously. We're not being peaceful. There's no joy in our life. We're always out here fighting. We're always walking around with our dukes up inside the walls. You did what? You flushed it twice. It's a septic system. We talked about this. I mean, like, well, I thought it. Knew, well, you know, unbelievable. You know, I mean, you, I'm pour a potty for these people, right? Like, I've heard these discussions. I'm not making this up. This is real stuff that occurs because we lose sight of Jesus Christ. Didn't say anything about the number of flushes on septic. Be charitable. Be charitable. Care for one another. Teach with kindness. And septics probably not a great example, but it's, it's all in the same thing. We love to fight about these little tiny things that don't matter. And we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got these little bits that we think are bad in people's lives, and we take their faith, and we take their their families and what they care for, and we throw it all out of the church. Get out of here. If you can't act any better than that, where's your suit and tie? Where's your this and that? We do this. We carry it this way. We've got traditions around here. We've got doctrines in this church. Read the Constitution. It's all very clear. People just put their hands there and say, I can't even deal with this. I'm walking on eggshells. I thought this was Christ's house. What's going on here? Paul implores us not to ruin our witness or our work for minutiae. And, and I, I, it breaks my heart and it pumps me up because I've seen it and I've been a part of it. I know I have. I'm not standing up here clean saying, you know, do as I say and as I do. I know i fall into these same traps, but I'm, I'm, I'm convicted that we are done with that. I'm done with that. We can be better than this. The Holy Spirit can do this for us. Eating food others hate to prove a point is folly. If you're convicted about it, if you're not going to eat it because it's good for you, good for you, but Be convicted strong-arming others into your conviction leads them into sin. You think, well, that's not true. That's not true. Well, it's right here. Not my words. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If somebody eats food that they are convicted is bad, but they're doing so because they want to please you, then they would be eating, not from faith, and whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. In this church, we eat pork chops. And you've got somebody that maybe was a prior Muslim believer or something. I'm struggling with that. And they sit down at the table, and you give them a pork chop. And they eat that pork chop. They have sinned. You did it. Paul said so, not me. If I'm wrong, I'd love to hear about it. But I'm telling you, this is a big deal. And churches, at least in my lifetime, have been right in lockstep with this. Church clothes, Sunday best. I'm not saying if you want to wear a suit to church, you're in sin. Heavens, no. But if you feel like you can't come into Christ's presence if you're not in a suit, that is, that's a problem. Don't put on a suit and think it's getting you anywhere. That's where the sin lies. You're doing something to please somebody else. Not to please God. It has nothing to do with God. You just don't want to get harangued. I don't want to get harassed. Well, I put my arms up in church. I remember this was a thing. It was a big deal for people to stand during worship or sing aloud or put their arms up. And you get people, you all right? Oh, yeah, I guess we don't put our arms up. Boom, they sinned. Well, I don't want to be in trouble. Who made them sin? Well, they did. They made the decision to sin, but it certainly was egged on, as Paul said here, by people feeling like, well, I better comply with what's going on. What we see here is not anything goes, but there are things that aren't sin that become sin if we think we're going to make people not sin by doing them which is, I know, completely upside down. We'll just all wear the same clothes. We'll all act the same way. We'll be very nice. We're not going to yell in church. We're not going to carry on. We're not going to do any of that. And through that, we'll be acting like better Christians, and thus we'll be steering clear of sin. I've put all these guardrails up, and you've got people who would normally cross guardrails going up against the guardrails. And Paul says, if you have doubts and you, and, and, and you eat and not from faith, or you wear a suit, but it's not from faith, or you put your hands down, but not out of faith. You had done something that doesn't proceed from faith, and it's sin. Romans 14, 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Church, we shouldn't be doing this to one another. Don't strong-arm people into things that aren't convicted. We shouldn't be strong-arming anybody into anything. We love to be, hey, invitation time, and hey, Jesus wants to change your life. Like, I believe, like, hey, we got to get you baptized. Great. Now put your suit on. Shut your mouth. Get your kids in school. Where were you last Sunday? What's going on here? Well, you, I heard you went to a casino. Did I see a picture of you with a beer? What are you? Uh, people are like, I'm out of here. If this is what faith is, I'm done. I was here because I love the Lord, and I wanted to participate in his work. Well, there's no room for that. We've got all these doctrines. Knock it off. We should seek to bear those failings of the week. Now, once again, come back to the weak. But, but Paul's using this term because... If you don't understand, your faith is weak. And these things might seem foreign or catastrophic to you. Great. We work together to do this. Weak and failing are strong words, but charity and grace are stronger words. So, regardless of whether you're weak or strong, if you believe you're strong in the faith someone else is weak, help them out. Serve as Christ served. You want to talk about somebody who's strong in the faith? Let <laughs> I me mean, the grace. Ex- Here's Jesus Christ, God incarnate. There will never be. Anybody walking this earth that has a stronger, more perfect faith than Jesus Christ. He spent all of his time putting up with weak people, leading them into stronger faith. If he took the same tack we did, he would have just been like, Hey, born, as soon as I'm old enough, I am out of here. This is a waste of my time. Everyone here is littered with sin, making terrible decisions. But he didn't. We should serve as Christ served. There was a time when even Paul was learning and growing guaranteed he was once a baby he had to learn he came up he murdered christians christ got a hold of him wrecked his heart and paul started growing all these passages all these old testament scriptures suddenly connect to oh my gosh there is a messiah this is he it's all coming together and then paul breathes the holy spirit through paul breathes the new testament for us teaching us all these things as paul's learning him as the holy spirit's convicting him education and growth takes time and we should respect that Point of all this, Jesus Christ and his awesome work. If it's not about Jesus Christ, we need to just knock it off. We'll have a different discussion. Living in harmony because we serve a perfect Savior. The world needs Christ, not a better diet, not a specific fabric, right? I think a lot of people think the church stands for certain things, and sadly, it's just not salvation in Jesus Christ very often. It's not freedom from all this stuff. It's trading all this nonsense for a whole new set of nonsense. And folks, let me tell you, we could do better than that. The world can see that eh, it's not about nonsense. As we decrease, as our preferences and our convictions that are very personal decrease, Christ increases. Then God's power is seen and known. In Romans fifteen thirteen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Not by our best bets, not by hedging uh, smart decision-making or taking care of you know, certain addictions and predilections in our life that are causing problems. That's not where we abound in hope. The Holy Spirit. But that guy did this and also that, and I don't like it. Well, true Christianity is not going to be easy. I'm not sitting up here saying, hey, everything that everybody does around me, I just love and I celebrate it. Amen. No, it's not true. Things drive me up a wall. But what do I do with that? What I do with that is I make decisions. I I, I think to myself, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm confused by this. I feel wrong. Let me go and do some research. Spend some time in prayer. Be thoughtful about this. Talk to Mike. Talk to other people. Hey. Yeah, I'm struggling with this. Now, we don't have a lot of that here, thankfully. But if it comes up, then yeah. You know, here's somebody else that I, I, I've served with, and I, I, this is a disagreement. I don't know if it's worth thinking about. Is it not? No? Great. On we go. They do this. I go the other way. No problem. I prefer black. They like red. I like forward-drive vehicles. They prefer sports cars. I would never have a sports car. I think it's a, I think it's a silly way. But I don't bemoan those that do, and I'm not going to sit up here and preach against it. Fine. Get the car you like. Drive it around. May it glorify the Lord. Loving our enemies and loving each other will be work from time to time. No no question about that. If, it's, if it was easy or automatic, Paul wouldn't have spent all this time writing about it. <laughs> Pretty evident that this is something that we need the Holy Spirit to work for. Well, we're still going to do it as we're commanded, and God will work for and through us. It's not my good works or my thoughtfulness that's going to round this corner off and make it smooth. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit working in me, and what we see is God doing what God does, redeeming me, Mending a bridge, redeeming the other person I'm struggling with. And we come to this place where we may not see eye to eye on this, but we can pray for one another and we can serve together just like Paul and Barnabas did. So let's prioritize. Number one, lordship of Jesus in our life. That's the number one thing. Jesus Christ comes first. Second, love for each other. Now these are sort the of the great commandment broken down, right? God first, then each other, and then our liberty in Christ. Now, liberty, you could say it's a love for ourselves or whatever. That's okay. But the liberty that we have in Christ, and there's a lot of it there. We have a, a wide range of latitude that's all good, wonderful things to do with our time. But it needs to be third. We, like Riora, especially Americans, we love freedom. We love liberty. I'm one of those. Hooray, liberty. But Christian freedom is a freedom to serve a perfect master right? America is built on the, pre- the, the, the whole notion that our, our leadership is flawed. There are, there are men and women that are going to screw stuff up and make bad decisions. And we're going to vote them in and vote them out based on how we feel and what we do. The imperfect is kind of the blind voting for the blind in some regards, but we do our best. We try. But Christianity doesn't suffer from this. The head of our organization will never, ever make a mistake or let us down or pass bad legislation or have some political... That's never, ever going to happen. On earth, there's no perfect master's and we really work hard to serve ourselves. We bet that's what the whole economic principle is based on. Best for you and others is probably the best thing. But we see this getting turned over in Christ. We serve Christ willingly and completely. Christ first. What he says goes. What he doesn't say, that's where we start getting into the charity. Then our preferences. Got to be Jesus. Everything we've talked about today is self help nonsense without Jesus Christ. And I could talk about a million things. Climb a stair. Make your bed. It's all good. Make your bed. By all means. It's not going to save you. Make your bed until the end of the world and go to hell. Not going to save you. Make your bed because you feel convicted because it's a good witness, because Christ is changing you. Yeah, that's good. Do that. If that's a conviction, do it. But don't think for a moment that any of the stuff we talked about here is going to give you a punch card. you say, well, I never really accepted Jesus, but I did do a lot of that stuff that he mentioned on that day. That's great. That and a quarter, you can almost make a phone call. Being nice and helping others not to stumble doesn't save them nor you God must begin a good work in us before we can do good work for him. And I can't stress this enough. I don't want everybody here to start acting nice or or pretending to be believers. Stay in your lane. If you disagree with this, if you think I'm not there yet, I want to get there, but I don't know what to do. I'm just going to play the part and keep my mouth shut. I encourage you not to do that. That's not the goal. We want to talk to you about the truth. The whole purpose of this is to tell the full entire truth of, of, of what Christ has done for us. Sadly, in many churches, this is just boiled down to a prayer in sixth grade and it's settled. Hey, you did the work. You boop, 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 boop. are you saved? I am go dunk in the water and uh, go out there and change the world. We don't talk about conviction. We don't worry about Jesus' the lordship. We don't look for fruit being uh, born. We don't worry about sharpening people up. We we punched them. We, in the, we've punched the card. You prayed. You're dunked. Next, prayed. Dunked. Next. We're building the kingdom and. There's going to be a bunch of people like, uh, hey, I've got the, the thing, remember? I, years ago, whatever it was called. And Jesus would be like, baptism? I'm like, yeah, depart. I never knew you. What? But I was told I was saved. That guy said. Yeah. Anyway, never knew you. Church, that should trouble us. Got to put Christ first. And when we love others, we're now helping them to put Christ first in their life. Charity and grace are very loving. <laughs> Sometimes correction is needed, but only when sin is demonstrable. I want to stress this. Yes, sin, let's do it. Let's call each other to the carpet on that. Let me have it. If I'm in sin, let me have it. Let me Give me a chance to repent. Let me turn the boat around a little bit. Holy Spirit can help me do that. Yes, absolutely, it can happen. But if it isn't sin and it's not demonstrable, then maybe we ought to just let it be. Be charitable on another. We ought not treat differing decisions of conscience as sin. That's not proper. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. And this is rampant, as rampant now as it was in Paul's time. We love getting a conviction of our own and insisting that everybody around us does exactly what we think. Some things that's important. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? No, fix that. Right? You drive a truck? No? Fix that. No. It's okay to drive a car. Well, nobody in this town to respect themselves Drive a car. This is a truck town. Okay, well, that's fine and good, but like they're gonna get upset and leave, and that wasn't very charitable. If they believe Jesus Christ is Lord and they like to drive a car, well then you can have a truck and maybe you guys can help each other someday. You know, they have an extra seat in the back. If you need to get out of the rain, you could help them move, right? Everybody has a truck loves to help people move. Isn't that the truth? Huh? Huh? Yeah, right. (laughs) And then after these two, we enjoy liberty in Christ. As the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, we'll understand what better, what hindrances we no longer have. We might be able to do some things that we steered clear of before. Errant understandings of what was making us clean or good. I no longer hold to that. I can participate in those things. I can set foot in a place where I, I said I wouldn't go because I was just scared irrationally of what might happen in there or there may be new ones crop up for us. But we must remember that those are still drinking the milk of the gospel and do not do them harm. If somebody is newly saved and I'm down the road and I've let go a lot of these arbitrary convictions and I've established a couple other ones and they're new to the faith and I've got some things in our... then I need to respect and understand where they are. This is not fundamental. The things that we hold to be fundamental are good in your life. Let's serve together. And the Holy Spirit will be changing both of us, sanctifying both of us, all the... F- Yesterday, I said I'd never do that. Now, three weeks from now, I'm doing that. And the three weeks from now, I said, oh, I'll never give this up. And then three weeks from now, I've stopped doing that. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing in our lives all the time. Because it's, God gig, it's God's gig and not ours. Paul says, causing folks to stumble is causing them to sin. And we mustn't do it. We must not do it. Be in prayer about this, right? This is one of the reasons that the body of Christ is so helpful. <sighs> I'm really struggling with my neighbor who's doing this, that, and the other. I don't like it. I want to say something about it, but I know what to do. Great, let's get together. Let's open the Word. Let's pray about it. Let's come with a plan together. And then when you go, say, "I'm going to go say something to him." I'm going to say something to him in love. I'm going to say, "I'd rather, if you wouldn't mind, before after ten o'clock, turn your music down." I don't even think he's saved, but that's a reasonable request. He was like, "Oh, it's because you're some church guy." Oh no, it's not because I'm a church guy. I just got kids trying to get to bed. Oh, well, that's nice enough. That's nice enough. Not a sin issue. I'm not saying if you don't turn that music down, you're going to hell right? Whoa, pop the brakes on that one, right? We want to win these folks to Christ. But once we've won them in, if we're not, hey, how come you're still playing your music so loud? I saw your church last week. Well, oh, yeah? Why would I turn my music down? Like, well, I was kind of hoping getting into the church, you'd see the right thing to do here, right? And This is exactly what we do. Get in here, and then you'll see life the way that I see it. No, we can enjoy our liberties, but we're ready to set those aside for the work of Christ. A kind word, going over and visiting at a party, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this. I've seen it a time or two. Someone's getting a little round, a little, little carried on or whatever, and you don't like it, and you go over and make friends with them, and you'll hear this. Hey, what time do your kids go to bed? We'll turn this music off. Before you even asked, because you just made inroads. Hey, we're, if we're too loud, just let us know. It's no problem. We'll happily turn it off. And you thought, well, I thought they'd get all ticked off. No, they're happy to do it. They just didn't know. They just didn't know. Brief conversation, things start going your way. All right, time for a call to action. Probably two hours on the nose, goodness gracious. If you're not a believer, today's the day for your salvation. Come home. If all this sounds great, but you've struggled with it and I don't know, I don't know where I sit with Jesus. I don't think he's the Lord of my life. I like the idea of it, but I don't read my Bible. I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't have any faith. I don't have any assurance. Let's fix that today. If you're watching online, send us a Facebook message. Give us a phone call. Shoot us an email. If you're here today, come on up. I'll pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to serve and grow with you. We're a relatively active body of believers. With COVID and everything, it's all been slowed down. It's probably going to happen again. Heaven only knows how this is going to go. But we, we're here just about every week in some form or another, certainly online. We'd love to have you join up and minister with us. Uh, reach out and change the world uh, for God's glory. If you're a member here, let's pray for ways to show grace and charity to other believers inside these walls. New members. Of course, pray for ways that we can so, uh, talk about uh, you know, ministering to the outside and, and our enemies in some regards. But with today's message, let's pray specifically. If we've got problems here in the body, if there's, a, if there's some fractiousness between a couple, of, a couple of you, me and somebody else, because of things that are not necessarily sin issues or fundamental issues, let's, let's work on healing that up. Let's show some grace and charity and see if we can meet in the middle on these sorts of things, Lord, uh, or, or church. Uh, with God's help, we can absolutely be better believers together. And we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to do it by just trying our derndest. That's never going to work out. But we hear what Paul's saying, and we say, man, I've tried and failed at that. Awesome. That's a great opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, I need something here. I need help big time. I am struggling with this. This person's driving me up a wall. They have been for 10 years, and I don't know what to do with it. Let's give it to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time of study. Thank you for these, uh, these passages of Scripture, Lord, that I find so convicting and so challenging, Lord, when I see reflected in this all of my failures as a a member of your body. As somebody that would say, I am 100% a Christian, but I don't have any time for charity for other Christians if I disagree, Lord. Rip that part out of me. Change it. Renew it. Sanctify it. Make it holy. Lord, I want to be set apart for you. I want to do good work for you. The good work that you've begun in me, Lord, I want to be able to have that exude out. I want to I want to make inroads where there was no inroad before. I want the outside world to see a a church of people that are vastly different in many regards, but somehow able to work together. And it's almost extraordinary how that's happening. It's almost supernatural. And Lord, we would say to them, it is extraordinary. And it is supernatural. We don't necessarily agree on every little thing, but we agree on all the big things. And because of that, we can gather up and get to work in your name, Lord. I am so thankful for that promise that we have here in Scripture. This is not... Maybe someday, This is starting today, we can do this with your help, Lord. Help us not to lean on our understanding, but to give way for you. As we talked about in our small group today, make way, make room for your vengeance, make room for your grace, make room for your charity to spill through us and to to know that you will take care of all the things that need to be taken care of. All we have to do is believe and, and work towards being obedient. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done.